0: Hello and welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast and this week's It All Bible Study. We're continuing in our series on the parables. We've got a few more weeks of this. This week I thought was just an encouraging story about a Pharisee, a prostitute, and Jesus. And that all led to a parable. I think it's going to be an encouragement to you. Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. If you would, please make sure you subscribe to this podcast. And whenever you're listening to it right now, you can even hit pause, go find the subscribe button, hit subscribe, and then come back and join us. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube page that we'll be using next year. If you want, while you're in a subscribing mode, go to our Facebook page, hit like. But most of all, make sure you go to bradmcclure.org, O-R-G, subscribe, and become a member of the website, which is free. Just give an email. And make sure you subscribe to the newsletter next year as we're going to be doing some new things on that. So I'm looking forward to, to all of the content. And so... I think without further ado, I've got some other things I was thinking about saying, but I'm just going to wait, hold off, give those another time, maybe Thursday on the podcast. So without further ado, here is this week's adult Bible study and the next parable. Let's go to Luke chapter 7 today. Luke chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 36. Our parable is like two verses. That's it. But I I love it. There's something about it. I told, I think my wife... Earlier this week, I was just studying over it, not saying I'm going to today, but just in the reading of it and the thinking of it and preparing and reading what other people said, I started to get a little, some tears in my eyes thinking about this story and, and what it must have been like. Now, I don't say that to prepare you and to hope to get some tears out of you. I don't think that's going to happen. It just was the setting maybe, but but it is. It would have been a very gripping story, I believe. And so we're going to start in verse 36 with a scene that is a little bit interesting. When you guys think of Pharisees and Jesus, what do you think about? Pharisees and Jesus. I mean, they usually, what was that, Zach? Fighting, Fighting all the time. Yeah, they always wanted to come at Jesus. If you've watched The Chosen, which I recommend, it is is—it is good, and the new season's out. We haven't got to see it yet. It's in theater. But um, well, the first two episodes are. But the Pharisees are constantly trying to get at Jesus. They, they despise this man and that he was teaching these different things i was like what happened here there's a little bit of money in there rich as well so they despise this man jesus but here is a little different scenario look at verse 36 it says and one of the pharisees desired him that he would eat with him and when it and he went into the pharisee's house and sat down to meet so this is a little bit interesting here, because this Pharisee wasn't necessarily combative with Jesus initially. He actually invited him to his house. And, and that's unique in that the Pharisees... prop Now, he, would, he did probably want to have him to the house to have a meal, and they would have some discussion, probably have a little theological discussion. They were probably going to debate a little bit. It may have been why he wanted him to come. But he still invited him to come to his house this pharisee if you don't know anything about pharisees maybe or not as much he i'm going to give some general things that were probably characteristic of him because they were pretty characteristic of all pharisees and it actually sounds pretty good so outwardly he was a good upright very religious man he attempted to keep the law of moses which is what he understood to be the things that he needed to keep which we would say the 10 commandments when they had those jewish laws a lot of extra stuff but He attempted to keep the law of Moses. He tithed. He fasted regularly. He prayed three times every day. He never missed attendance in the synagogue. We look at that and say, wow, sign him up to be a deacon. If it was a modern-day church, sign him up. I mean, this guy's fasting. He's praying three times a day. He's here all the time. He's a good outwardly man. Good. I mean... Outwardly you're not going to find anything about these pharisees that you're really going to pick apart. Now there were you probably could. So let me I know there's a 100% statement there, but they were good outwardly outward people. And so here he was and but his relationship with Jesus you're going to see was formal, distant and cool. He did invite Jesus to his home and I've given him credit for that, probably for a theological decision, but or discussion but that's about it so look at what it says in verse 36 and one of the pharisees i already read it he went to his house sat down to meet and behold a woman in the city which was a sinner that tells me that the city knew she was a sinner this it's not jesus just telling us later or luke writing telling us later the city knew who this person was when she walked in we don't know her name they said there she is Many believe this. she was a prostitute for a variety of reasons. She's going to have an alabaster box. It's not Mary of Bethany that had an alabaster box. Different story, different city that they're in. But an alabaster box was somewhat of a common thing back then. But you may remember from that story, it cost about a year's worth of wages. Well, unfortunately, many of the prostitutes would have a lot of money. Because in that day, those the men would some would go and they'd pay for whatever and they would have this money and they would take this alabaster box with the perfume and so she had something that was very costly and 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 so this woman was known as the town probably as the prostitute as the sinner is what it calls her here everybody knew her so you had a pharisee in this scene that was very religious very formal everybody looked at him and said wow religious this woman here everybody looked at her and said wow Sinner. So here she comes into the house. Now that may seem a little awkward to us. If we decided just to, we just decided to have Aaron and Beck over today for, for lunch, and we're all just sitting around the table eating, and someone busts in my door and comes in and just sits down and starts listening to our conversation, I'm gonna be like, what are you doing? Get out of my house! You know, I don't have a, I mean, I do have a gun, but I don't. I'm not like some in here that just carry it and gonna shoot you the moment you walk in my door. That's not me. I gotta go find it, find the bullet, find everything. He's gonna, you, you might as well take everything, and by the time I find my bullets, all right? Now it's going on the podcast later, and everybody's going to rob me, but uh, still. But it's, it was different culture back then. Back then, that you're, you didn't have these doors necessarily to always keep people out. People were welcome to come in, especially if you're a rabbi or you were a teacher your doors are open and as you're having a meal with someone which by the way you're not sitting in a chair at a fine table you're sitting stretched out onto the floor just kind of relax i mean just i'm trying to picture like dad as i was studying this just laying out on the floor talking to people feet out sandals i just couldn't do it but uh but that's kind of how it was i mean you just kind of relaxed in that, and your doors were open and people if you were a rabbi teaching people could come in and sit and listen to the teaching that's just kind of how it was and so and so it wasn't necessarily uncommon for someone to come in listening. There may have been others, but it would have been somewhat uncommon for her to come. She's a sinner. The Pharisee's not going to want to be seen with that woman and a sinner in the house. She would have broke through somehow and got there. And so it says again in verse 37, Behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment when she knew that Jesus. So what does that mean about this woman? Well, I wrote some things down. We talked about the Pharisee Simon, the prostitute. Her name's unknown, but she entered this room. Eyebrows were probably raised. I told you the town knew her for her sinful lifestyle. But I wonder, because it says when she heard that Jesus was in that room, I wonder if she had heard about Jesus, and I wrote down some things. Maybe she heard about Luke 5 when Jesus said, I've not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. I wonder if if she heard that teaching. I wonder if she saw some of those greedy tax collectors transformed and thought, maybe he can change my life. I wonder if she saw that other sinful woman in adultery in John chapter number 8 I wonder if she heard about the story when Jesus rode in the dirt there and, and then everybody began to leave and that sinful woman that was known in that town was forgiven. I wonder if she heard about that. Now, I'm not, I know I'm speculating, but it's not too much speculation because it says when she heard Jesus, so she knew that Jesus was a miracle worker and a life changer. We do, she knew that. And that was enough to get her to say, I'm going to take this expensive alabaster box, and I'm going to go into the Pharisee's house, no matter what shame I may get, no matter what, I, what, what looks I may get, I'm going to go into that house and I'm going to anoint Jesus' feet. Now, you may say, ah, I would do the same thing. Do you, you, just think about how much you hate looks right now. When someone looks at you, we're such an insecure society. I know some of you are like, well, I'm very secure. No, I'm like, okay, great. You're wonderful. But the rest of us have, are very insecure. I'm going to be overthinking this green shirt now just because Miranda said something about it. I'm going to be over... No, just kidding. I mean, now Ryan doesn't care. You can say anything, Ryan doesn't care. But we overthink everything, and we're constantly insecure. Can you imagine this woman? Everybody's going to be looking at her. Everybody's going to be like, What are you? And I got to lead singing too, so I'm going to be up there like, Everybody's looking at this green shirt. No. Just kidding. So, but. But she would have had to come in with a reputation of that of a sinner. Everybody probably thinking, here's this prostitute. And she comes in, and she's right, because notice what happened. She, she took this alabaster box of ointment, and she stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with oil. Nor with ointment. I don't think she started. We, there, there's some speculation. This is you can take this as opinion. Didn't say. I think she came with the intention of anointing him as a, just a gratitude, overwhelming who he is. And I think she got caught up in the moment and just got emotional. That happens sometimes. Maybe sometimes in church you're sitting there and you're caught up in, a, in the sermon and God just grips your heart and you just. Kind of get a tear. Maybe you're caught up in the in the in a song someone is singing, and it just moves you with emotion. Emotions are not wrong. When emotions dictate what your decisions you make, now you're going to have some issues. You can't make decisions on emotions. It can go like this, but. But emotions are built in us by God. I think David was an emotional person as he wrote those songs and he poured his heart out to God in these psalms that we still look at today. Emotions are part of it. And I think she got there and she was she was standing behind him washing his feet probably because of how he was sitting, by the way, which I'm not going to try to demonstrate that because I don't sit like that with my feet back like this and on the floor. But she then began to wash his feet and kiss his feet. But we may look at that and say, gross, and you're right, it is. But in that culture, that was the most humbling thing that you can do and she came into that place understanding that i am absolutely a nobody and i have maybe destroyed my life and i don't deserve anything but here is someone that is gracious and here is someone i just want to pour out my praise some argue and say that she now we're going to get to the text later on to show you some wonder if she had already met jesus before and does say that she knew about jesus And maybe had at that point had her sins forgiven, but she came in here just overwhelmingly and emotional about it, and excited and thankful, and maybe wondering, you know, still guilt, feeling guilty. We don't know that is speculation. We do know by the end of this, Jesus says your faith has made you whole. But but all all we know is that she came in here, brought an expensive ointment, she got to his feet, and she was just overwhelmed with emotion. So we have two people here so far. (laughs) We have the cool, calm, collected Simon, which I don't know if I read his name yet. We'll get to it in a minute. We have cool, calm, collected Simon the Pharisee who, in a sense, thinks he has it all together. He is spiritual, but he doesn't necessarily appreciate who Jesus is, who is sitting at his house. He's welcoming to him, but he doesn't appreciate who he is. And then we have this woman, this this woman that is hopeless. She's helpless in her sins. And she comes to Jesus and openly expresses her love and her gratitude for her Savior. And then we have Jesus. And I love what Jesus does. But before we get to that, we got to see how this Pharisee thinks. Because look at verse 39. It says, Now, when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake, notice those next two words, within himself. There's a little nugget here that I love, and I'm going to get back to that. He spake within himself. This is not out loud. He's probably giving her those weird eyes look like, what is she doing? He spake within himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touches him, for she is a sinner. So he did not say this out loud. He's sitting there with his legs probably back behind. He's looking at this take place. And instead of saying, wow, she loves this this, this man. I mean, this is a praise. He goes, wow, if he this guy must not be who he thinks he is because if he was who he thinks, if he's the prophet or that everyone thinks he is, he would know that the person touching him is a wicked sinner and he would probably have her banished. And he's thinking all of this. He didn't say it. He's just thinking it. Now, before I move on to get to what I love, I love the parable that just nails this Pharisee. I love it. But I wonder how many of us do that. I wonder how many of us will look at people coming into church today and say, Wow. Boy, they need this. Well, yeah, I'm glad that they're here. And we kind of get in this mindset that we have it together. I mean, we go to all the church services. We wear green shirts and a suit jacket. <laughs> we, we, we teach a class. We sing. And we look at others like they are nothing. You know, you know how dumb it is? It's like being in 50 foot of water and drowning. And looking at someone in 500 feet of water and drowning and thinking we're better off than they are. we're only in 50 foot of water. you're both going to drown, but that's how we approach it a lot of times and don't give me when i there were some in Michigan early on we started a reformers unanimous, unanimous ministry where we help people with addictions. so you have a very dignified church that I love if they ever listen to it on the podcast, so I do love I, I love. But early on when we started a Reformers Unanimous Ministry, we were having people with addiction problems coming into the church. And some very refined people early on were like, no, we cannot do this. And I thought, what? We can't invite sinners into the church to get help because we want to make sure we are in our safe bubble. And I fought that. And can I say, in our church, we have a ministry where we have some troubled people come in, some young teenagers that come from a difficult background. And there may be some in our church that sometimes go, boy, I just don't know. They get up all the time. or They may cause a problem or they may leave their church. Do you know what? Don't bring those people my way. Because I think we need to be compassionate and loving and saying Amen. we're going to help whoever we can help. Amen. And those like Simon here that say, no, you dirty the church, or no, you caused this problem or you caused this issue, you're, you're like Simon the Pharisee. I don't want to get on my rabbit, my, my, uh, my soapbox here. But we have to have a heart of compassion. And here's Simon. He didn't say anything. He's sitting with Jesus. He's religious. Everything is good about him. But he looked, And he's thinking this thought. If this guy was really a prophet, he would get rid of this person. He would just know. He's not really a prophet. And as he's thinking that thought, watch what happens. As he's thinking that thought, it says in verse 40, And Jesus answering said, Well, what's he answering? Do you ever think about it when you read this? What is Jesus answering? No one has asked a question. So what is he answering? He's answering and proving that he's everything that he says he is in this very moment. He's answering the thought of Simon, and Simon doesn't even get it at first. So Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have somewhat to say to thee. And he said, Master, say on. He says, There was a certain creditor, Which had two debtors. The one owed five hundred pence and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? So he said there's two people here, Simon. He goes, one guy owes five hundred, we'll say dollars. The other owes fifty dollars. They neither one could pay, and I just said, Hey, you're both forgiven. If I were to do that to you, just think logically, who's gonna be more relieved? Well, naturally probably the one that has five hundred dollars, it's a greater debt. And so Simon is kind of he's kind of in a noose here. He's kind of he's he's kind of hung himself because Simon answered and said, I, I, I suppose it's he whom thou he whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said, And now watch him pin him. He says, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, thou gavest me no water for my feet, which was custom, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, But this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment, wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. Now don't get caught up in that and think, well, she's forgiven because she loved much. No, you're going to see right here. But whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. We're going to come back. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven thee. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said unto the woman, Watch this, not her love, thy faith, Has saved thee. Go in peace. He nailed this guy to the wall. He said to him, and this guy's sitting there with a judgmental attitude towards this woman saying, What a sinner, what a wicked sinner. And 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 he gives this little parable and asks him, just ask him, you tell me the answer. And he he says, Well, I suppose. What do you mean you suppose? You just know you're 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 pinned here. You don't want to say it. He that had the most. And then he looks at it and he says, Here's someone who's had so much sin in her life. And she's just overwhelmed with gratitude for being forgiven. And I think what happens in our lives so often is that we forget who we are. We start to get comfortable as Christians in how we are obeying, and we start to think we're better than others. And we lose the deep love and gratitude for Jesus. It's sad to me how a new Christian can have so much overwhelming love and gratitude for Jesus and so often we that have been saved for years can lose that deep love and gratitude. Why? How do? What, how does it happen? We asked this question in our teachers group, and we were trying to answer it today. About how do we develop this back? And I don't think if. And I said this, and they all they agree. But I, when we we're just brainstorming about it, it's not. It's kind of the wrong question. How do you do it? Because then it gets right back into the Pharisee mindset. Well, do this, do this, do this, and do this, and then you'll have that love. No, no, no. It's not in the doing of something that's going to develop that love and gratitude again. It's the realizing of something. When I get back to realizing that I am really nobody without Jesus. And the, the closer I get to God, the more I hate sin. The closer I get to God, the more I realize I am a sinner. Think about in the Bible when people, when they realized they were in the presence of God's glory, what did they all do? They all fall down. John on the Isle of Patmos, when he realized that he was in the presence of God, he fell on his face. Peter, when he was up on the, 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 the mountain there, when the transfiguration of Jesus and the, James and John, they fell on their face. They couldn't even look. You go throughout the Bible, study throughout the Bible. Whenever they get a glimpse of the glory of God, they all just fall on their face. Why? Because they, And they all say this, I am sinner. I am wicked. I am done. I'm done. Isaiah in Isaiah chapter number 6 when, he's, when he saw that, that all that, the scene that took place and, and, and he realized, saw part of the glory of God, he said, I am a wicked person. Get me out of here. I can't, I can't even be near this. Because when the closer you get to God, the more you understand who you really are. So don't leave this class saying, well, if I'm going to have this deep gratitude, I need to do this and do this. No, it's not the doing of something. It's the understanding of something. Now, that understanding comes as I read the Word of God. When I, when, I, when I get into the Word of God, I start to realize some bad things about myself. When I get into church and I hear preaching, I start to realize, man, there's some things I need to grow in. It's not the doing of that that makes me more spiritual, but in the doing of that, I become more spiritual. Because it helps me, it, it teaches me, it develops me. And so here is this man, this man Simon, who was outwardly a good guy. Fasted, prayed more than us maybe. Everything about him was good, but his relationship with God was cold, distant, formal. And then here's this woman who is just a wicked sinner. But she broke through the uncomfortableness, and she, she poured everything at the feet of Jesus, and she worshipped him. And I, I picked this parable for us this week around the Thanksgiving time. I picked it a while back because I wanted us to think about our gratitude. Do we have a gratitude for God still in what He's done? Do we realize the great debt that we had? You know, both parties here had a debt. Simon's was less than this woman. But they both had a debt. Do we realize the debt that we had? Some of you may have got saved young. Did anybody get saved? How many got saved less, you're younger than 10 years old? Okay. How many got saved they were 10 to 20 years old? And then you got, how many got saved 20 and older? Some of you, yeah. So some of you, if you're 20 year older, you know you you may may have maybe not, but you may have gotten yourself into some stuff that some of you that got saved at five may not have gotten yourself into. And I've counseled a lot of people that wrestle with that where they got saved at five and they're like, I just didn't do a lot, so I don't know, so I, I don't feel as you still were a sinner on your way to hell. You were still a sinner. God's grace forgave you like it may have forgiven someone that got saved at 80 years old. God's grace is still there. And when we understand our sinfulness and where we were headed, but we, we, we realize what Jesus did for us, it ought to develop in us a gratitude. And we've got to realize our inability. Whether you got saved at 5 or you got saved at 80, you had no ability to change it to your destination. It was only the grace of God. It was only His grace. This woman approached. What she did did not save her. Do you get that? It wasn't what she did. I love what Jesus said. And it's recorded for us 2,000 years later. He didn't say, your work here today saved you. No, he said, your faith saved you. It was her faith that got her into that house. It was her faith that caused her to take that alabaster box and to break it. It was her faith that caused her to cry and, and to pour out this to Jesus. It was all faith that motivated her. And Jesus says, your faith is what has saved you. You see, the things that we often want to say that we need to do are the expressions of faith. She was doing this based on faith. The Pharisee was doing a lot of good things too, but not based on faith. He was just doing it to to look away. He was just doing it, and he had no relationship with Jesus. So I guess my question for us today in this very simple parable is, who do we identify more with? Do we identify with this woman? Understanding our debt of sin and understanding our inability to do anything about it? And do we have a heart that says, God, I just love you. And God, I I just... I don't think that you have to cry to show that you love God, but are you ever moved to tears? Does it ever move you that who you are and what God has done... Does a message still grip your heart or do you just sit there and go oh here we are another gospel present, another salvation message well you know what you were the one that was the needed that message before and you're the one that that received Jesus Christ before and remember when it moved you before how does how do we respond to that or are we like the pharisee are we coming to church today saying here I am you guys got me today at church pass that offering plate yep yep here I am everybody see this I put it in and I put my money in there. I'm sitting there and I'm singing real dignified and I'm doing everything. Everybody notices. Here's what I'm doing. Great, wonderful. You're getting your praise right now. Wonderful job. But I think from our parable, we see Jesus was trying to teach this Pharisee and to us 2,000 years later that we need to be more like this woman with a heart full of gratitude and love for all that has been done for us and i hope that as you read down through this again maybe take some time this week to read down through it on thanksgiving week to say what has my gratitude been this year and my love for god let's pray